You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric May, Milwaukee Bucks supporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? I'm ready to record another podcast that will be obsolete within a few hours. Excellent. So let's get it all out of the way. Um, before uh, we talk about things that make us obsolete, let's talk about what makes us so freaking smart, Frank and how we're so good at our jobs as podcasters because we talked about how the Philadelphia 76ers were the team to watch and the ones that might make something big happen and shake some, I don't know, shake the world loose, dominoes, something. I'm not really 100% sure where I'm going with this analogy, but that's kind of what they did. The, the Sixers kind of set it off and got it going and – uh, traded for Tobias Harris. Thoughts on on that? And if uh, a lot of Bucks fans immediately responded to me and said, "Oh, this is nothing for the Bucks to be afraid of," and you know, I feel like if they would have listened to the podcast, they would have heard that it isn't just about the one trade they made. It's about the idea that they make the one big trade, and then they don't have enough depth that buyout guys find them attractive as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean. Um... There was some talk this morning about like, oh, what are the Bucks gonna have to do like to their lineups to like match this? And I, I don't think really anything particular. I mean, um, Tobias is kind of similarly sized to Wilson Chandler. He's just a lot better. Um, so he slots in for Tobias for Wilson Chandler, and um, you know, it's not like um, I, I don't know. I mean, they obviously have a weird unconventional lineup because Simmons is the offensive point guard, and they have JJ Redick, who you know is kind of point guard length uh running around screens um and so it's kind of an interesting dynamic but um you know it's it's obviously a big 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 win now move trade because um because Tobias Harris is an unrestricted free agent Jimmy Butler is an unrestricted free agent um I mean like you know Tobias's max like Chris Middleton is going to be 32 ish million starting salary Mm -hmm. um if the cap is where we think it will be and um you know, like, so are like, is the plan to, you know, if things go pretty well, like Max, Jimmy Butler, and Tobias Harris, and then you know you've got Ben Simmons who will need his own max contract in not that long. Um, you know, you're you'll be at like, I don't know, like I'm kind of throwing around numbers here, but like 130 million dollars for like four players or something like that. I mean, it, and those guys are good, right? <laughs> but um that's a lot of money. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, fill out a roster kind of around them. But, you know, again, obviously that's, that's the trade-off, right? Philly's been top heavy all season and um, you know, they, they've obviously have not been as, as good as maybe they would like to be and, or as competitive with the top teams in the East as they would like to be. So this certainly helps them. Um, 
you know, does it strike the fear of God into you as a Bucks fan? Uh, probably not yet. I mean, again, like you, like you said, I think you just got to see kind of how the rest of this shakes out because they, um, you know, gave up Landry Shamit, who's been a really, really important shooter for them off the bench. And now they're kind of, obviously Harris is a, a really good shooter, but in terms of like kind of guards that can stretch the floor for everybody else, um, you know, that's where certainly the buyout market will be interesting because guys like, you know, uh, Wes Matthews, uh, Wayne Ellington got traded today. who We talked about, he went to the Suns. He's likely going to get bought out, um, and be a buyout candidate as well. Yeah. I mean, any of those guys landing in Philly, in addition to Tobias Harris, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely makes Philly better, scarier, um, in over the longer term, you know, they gave up pretty good haul of assets to do this and obviously there's there's no guarantee that you keep tobias or or jimmy this summer so um it definitely piles on a lot of pressure for them to kind of make it work and to keep those guys happy and and be able to i don't know like i guess retain them long term or you know again i know that the idea has been thrown out that that tobias may be more just jimmy insurance if you know things go south there if he leaves or whatever it might be so um so yeah philly's you know hey they're they're making moves. They have. They've made two huge ones this year, and so far hasn't quite, you know, paid off the way they might expect. But obviously, they're going to be a really dangerous team from playoff time. Yeah, I was going to say. I think, the, like you said, they're not. They're not fearful. Or you shouldn't be fearful of them quite yet, uh, but. You know, just as as they continue to stockpile things, maybe maybe they do become more fearful. Fearful, and you know, if they add one or two buyout people, you know, maybe there's a little bit more danger there. But yeah, I think it's really interesting to see this team now uh, kind of shift from all the folks on the future. Uh, you know. Uh, on the process, like all, all of that, like just trust the process, all of that stuff. And now, now they're just making win now moves. It's, it's kind of weird to think about how much everything has shifted since Elton brand took over as GM. And again, I don't know if it's something to be feared, but it is something that, you know, we talked about it. And last night there was a couple of rumors that this was going to be the first move from Eastern conference teams to kind of get things going. And, you know, there's rumors about the Raptors uh, kind of doing stuff. And, you know, that was what I said would be, you know, a true nightmare for the bucks is if that kind of got everyone going and then everyone decided to make win now moves that hasn't happened quite yet. Um, But we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. So that's interesting there. The bucks themselves made a move today. Um, One that, Surprised me, I think a little bit more than it surprised you. Um, but the the Bucks decided to trade Thon Maker to the Detroit Pistons, and in return they got Stanley Johnson. And I guess I'm going to frame this a couple of different ways. Um, after the game, we talked with Giannis Dedekumbo, and I gotta say, um, you know we we asked him about you know how it all went down and stuff and then you know he was talking about you know what Don needs to focus on and all of these kind of all the things that led to it and you know I just 
we were speaking in cliches a lot and, you know, I just kind of wanted to cut through it and, you know, ask him like, you know, Thon was the person that requested the trade. So I understand that, that there's going to be some amount of sadness, but also, you know, does, does that change things? Like, are you not as disappointed? Are, are you excited for it? Like, how does that change things? Because, you know, it is his people that, that requested a trade. And Giannis said, he's got to look forward. He cannot look back. Obviously, he requested the trade. But I think Thon is young. In the move that his people did, it was just to make the team play him a little bit more. But the team decided to move on and make this move. It's tough. But as I said, it's the business we work in. And I mean, that right there, that sounds like, as I've said this whole time, a misplay by his management team. That that sounds like Thon not really wanting to leave Milwaukee and instead his people deciding that this was the way to try to get him more playing time. And if that was the case and that was what they wanted, it backfired in every single way. <laughs> it, it, it is going to get him more playing time, but it got him shipped off the best team in the league and uh, a situation where he, he had one of the most powerful players in the league, one of the best players in the league supporting him every step of the way. And, um, you know, like this is kind of what I've thought throughout this whole process. This is kind of, you know, what I had been hearing as, you know, we talked to Thon and asked him about stuff and, I, I got to say, like, you know, I wonder if if Thon's going to be with that management team for much longer. You know, like that feels to me like his management team not doing their job and not, or I shouldn't say not doing their job. They did their job how they felt they needed to do it, but his management team not actually listening to what he wanted and thinking through what might be best for their client. I mean, it's uh, th- this is these are sort of these trade offs, right? I mean. Thon can go get minutes and put up, you know, some numbers on a, a team that's not really going anywhere. Um, then, yeah, it probably raises his likelihood of getting a little bit more money uh, eventually. I mean, that's the thing too. It's not like he's a free agent this summer, so that that's kind of what also made it just seem yeah. especially weird, you know, because it's like, you know, like you're going to play some more minutes and get a huge extension somewhere else. Like, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, like, you know, he's got people who are you know, trying to ride his coattails to, you know, their, their own personal payday probably. And they're not the ones that are going to have to live in Detroit and spend every day going to Pistons practices and losing games and, you know, going nowhere, nowhere as a franchise. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's kind of sad. I mean, to me, it's kind of sad because, um, Agreed. you know, I think everybody, everybody liked Thon, um, fans, players, you know, I mean, it was obvious, like he, he was a, a good guy, worked hard, um, and was a high character. I mean, really, from draft process on, that was very apparent. It's a big reason the Bucks wanted him. And um, you know, obviously, his his career had some um, high highs, but many more low lows or kind of just baseline lows. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it's I'd say especially disappointing because this year he actually showed far more consistent signs of being an NBA player. And um, the fact that then you know, like you said, he he plays has that great game against Utah, then gets benched, and then like you know a week or two later, or whatever he's um, he, we hear that that is people have asked for a trade, and um, 
you know, I, I think if we, as we kind of pivot to, to the actual trade that happened, um, you know, Stanley Johnson, former lottery pick, who's been a huge, huge disappointment for the Pistons the last three plus years. Um, you know, can Stanley Johnson give you something at some point? Uh, maybe, you know, like I, obviously he's a guy you, you know, maybe you, you hope there's a Bud Hawks University angle that that, that might uh, kind of reinvigorate him a little bit. But, um, you know, he's a defensive specialist, so that that obviously is a plus. Um, I don't really look at the Bucks as a team that, you know, is in desperate need of, of, a, of another wing player, but he's, he's a really big dude for a wing. Um, and that gives him a, maybe a little extra dimension, but he's shot under 30% from three for now four straight years <laughs> is just a really inefficient offensive player it just has never developed the, you know, the kind of NBA skill set that people thought he'd have coming in as a, as a number eight overall pick and a, a one and done in college. And um, so I don't know. I mean, it's like, does, does he play? I don't know, but he's an expiring salary. Um, most likely not going to have a qualifying offer uh, made this summer, I would guess. So I think it's about 4.5 million just because he's bad enough that he might actually take it. And then the bucks owe him money that they might want to spend on somebody else. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of view this as sort of just a sad little salary dump and, you know, you get a look at Johnson and maybe you see something you like, or maybe he shows some, some ability that, that you didn't know he had and, you know, maybe finally having a good team around him, a good coach, maybe, maybe that unlocks something, but, um, you know, change the scenery move. I think, I think Zach Lowe tweeted something about liking the move for both teams. So that was encouraging given <laughs> how much we respect Zach's opinion, but, um, you know, like, does this fundamentally change the, you know, kind of arc of the bucks or the potential of the bucks this season? Certainly not, but, um, you know, I don't know. I still held, to, I held out some hope that maybe Thon could, could be at least a backup center, um, at some point down the road consistently. And, um, obviously, uh, it's, you know, just his, his, uh, time in Milwaukee has been pretty, uh, I don't want to say suddenly cut short, but, um, but I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't expect that, you know, especially given the, the progress we'd been seeing from him, uh, early in the season. Yeah. I, I thought just to finish up on Thon before moving on to Stanley Johnson, just a, a couple more things. I thought it was interesting pregame. I mean, <laughs> Days like this are really frustrating because everyone knows what's happening, but no one can officially talk about it. So we all have to do this, this annoying tap dance around the subject where pregame, you know, it's not it's not official. So Mike Boonholzer can't talk to us about it and can't tell us, you know, exactly what he thinks of Stanley Johnson and, you know, what what Don meant to the franchise. So instead it's you know, Thon has fallen in and out of the rotation. What's going on with the, like? We all have to do this this stupid dance where we can't just ad- admit exactly what's going on and talking about it. And um, you know, I thought pregame there was a really interesting sequence between uh, it was Matt Velasquez and Mike Boonholzer where. Matt had asked about, you know, what was it that, you know, maybe kept Thon from, or what has kept Thon from, you know, maybe reaching his full potential. He's been in and out of the rotation and, um, you know, kind of all those things. And when Bud was asked about it, he mentioned the fact that, you know, he, he started the season a little bit dinged up and, you know, that didn't help. And then, um, he he made this strange diversion where it was, 
you know, he wasn't. So he's like, well, you know, he's kind of dinged up at the start of the year. And then, you know, at the start of the year, he wasn't in the rotation. He, he wasn't like we had John and, and John was playing in front of him and obviously Ursan and, uh, and then, you know, Ursan went down and Thon was able to hop in and he played well during that time. And then, you know, as DJ came on, we really liked what DJ and Ursan were doing and, you know, that, that pushed him back out of the rotation a little bit. And it was just such a, it was such a strange diversion to make sure that he said, um, you know, Thon wasn't in the rotation at the start of the year. And, you know, we liked what these guys were doing and Thon wasn't seen as much time. And I mean, none of us kind of asked him to, <laughs> none of us asked about him being out of the rotation. Just, you know, we kind of asked about, you know, what led to him not reaching maybe his full potential. And, you know, it just kind of felt purposeful that, you know, if you're thinking about how Mike Boonholzer felt about Thon uh, throughout the season, like, I mean, he asked John Henson, who's uh, a little a more traditional center, to start shooting threes, and then ultimately decided that John Henson shooting threes was enough to play him over Thon. And you know, it just felt like maybe Bud didn't love Thon from the start. That it, maybe that wasn't a guy that he really foresaw making a. a a big difference uh, with this team and in, instead opted for, for other guys. And I thought that was really interesting that Bud said it in that way. And, you know, I think that's kind of been what it is for Thon that this year um, he went from, he went from a staff last year that loved him and adored him and was really hoping for the absolute best of him to a group of people that didn't owe him anything that didn't, that didn't know him and, you know, had to try to get to know him and see how he'd fit in and ultimately decided that, you know, maybe John Henson is a better fit. So I think that kind of paints this season for me with Thon was, you know, that response and how Bud, you know, maybe didn't didn't push Thon to be that breakout guy that a lot of people, I think, saw coming before the year. I know we weren't maybe the most bullish on it uh, and stuck with stuck with Sterling as the guy that would probably be the breakout guy. Um, but it, it was kind of surprising to hear him go as far as he did to say that. And um, I think that'll kind of be uh, a lasting thought that lingers a little bit there. So moving to Stanley Johnson, I think what's interesting there is I would be fascinated to know what the process was and how they decided that, Thon makers should go for Stanley Johnson because I don't think I don't think Stanley Johnson is the most coveted player on the trade market. I don't think he was someone that that teams were really dying to get. So I don't think it came down to oh wow Stanley Johnson available we gotta we gotta we gotta do it now. I almost wonder if they were kind of canvassing around for deals and trying to see you know, who might offer something for Thonmaker and who might be interested in it. And then, you know, the, the timing of it all is very interesting to me because when you look at what Stanley Johnson can do, it's not play offense. <laughs> he can not shoot threes. He's terrible at the rim. Uh, I think uh, cleaning the glass has him in the eighth percentile, if I remember correctly, at his position. Uh, so, like, so he doesn't finish at the rim. He doesn't hit threes. That is terrible mid-range a, too, by the way. <laughs> like that is not a fit for Mike Boonholzer. Like, you know, do a little bit of everything, pass, dribble, shoot, all those things. Stanley Johnson isn't that guy. He doesn't fit. 
But where he is interesting is he is a big physical defender. And I don't know if you noticed, Frank, but the Sixers added another bigger wing. Uh, Another guy that is going to be pretty big and you're gonna have to find guys to try to cover him. And uh, if you read my article at the athletic about uh, the maker first Stanley Johnson trade, there was a fourth quarter in this season. The Pistons ended up being the Raptors 106, 104 is at the end of November where Stanley Johnson went toe to toe with Kawhi Leonard. And in that fourth quarter against Leonard, he had, uh, he forced four turnovers. And again, everyone can debate force on force or whatever, but he was the primary defender on four turnovers from Kawhi Leonard, a uh, two of four shooting. And I think, uh, I'm trying to think what else, maybe it just, uh, I think maybe he had missed a, a I don't know. There, there was some other stuff, but it was eight minutes and 25 seconds to close out the game. Stanley Johnson was on Kawhi Leonard. And, I think back to the last Bucks Raptors game and when Chris Middleton was on Kawhi Leonard, he was physical and he was strong and he was able to handle Kawhi going at him. And when you think about the times where Kawhi found easy baskets, was able to, you know, I think get close looks. If you remember the game correctly, you're probably not thinking Chris Middleton was on him, right? It was when Malcolm Brogdon was on him. He was getting easy looks against Brogdon because Brogdon just simply wasn't big enough. And I think you you go through the East contenders along with the Bucks, and you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, you have Harris, you have Jimmy Butler who likes to use his strength to try to get to the basket, and then you have uh, Ben Simmons. So you have three big wingish types. You go to the Raptors, you have Kawhi Leonard, who's incredibly st- strong. Uh, Siakam would be too big for uh, Stanley Johnson. So just Leonard. And then you go to the Celtics and, you know, Gordon Hayward isn't the strongest guy, but still, you know, if you can put a big physical body on him, I think that's helpful. Jason Tatum, I think if you do the same thing, that'd be helpful. And Jalen Brown is a bigger physical uh, wing player as well. And you kind of check off some boxes there and, you know, maybe you have another guy. And also maybe he never plays because he can't hit a shot and he shrinks the floor offensively and it's just not going to work out. But I do think there is at least something interesting there that you have this 6'7", 245 pound wing guy that has proven he can play physical defense uh, and proven he can be a part of positive defense. Uh, The Pistons are six points per 100 possessions better on defense with Stanley Johnson on the floor this year. And, you you know, you go through all those things and it's another look. And I know we've talked about it with Thon, that Thon is that switching center look. And I, I think maybe this is a vote of confidence for DJ Wilson. He's not going to block as many shots probably as Thon, but I think this is a vote of confidence for those DJ Wilson, Giannis, big lineups. And I think it's uh, another potential body to throw at the wings and the wings in the Eastern Conference that, you know, you're going to have to try to defend for pretty, if you want to make a run to the finals, to the finals, at least the final two rounds in the Eastern Conference. If, if not, you know, maybe something weird happens and you have to do it in the first round as well.
Yeah, I'm curious where where he kind of fits in. I mean, um, like I, I I I don't know. Like what 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 do you think? What, what are you expecting? You think he's just going to get like some like they're going to give Sterling some random nights off, and and Johnson will just sort of take take his minutes on those nights, or um, like Snell will get occasionally have some nights off, and just try to try to try to give him some you know, like once a week he'll play, you know, 15 minutes or something like that? Or how do you think he fits in? Because it's not like anybody, it's not like any of the current rotation players have done anything to deserve to be benched. I mean, Pat Connaughton, Pat Connaughton's made a great claim to get get back in the rotation. I mean, I think positionally he's maybe a little different than than Johnson, given he's a lot smaller. Um, But, you know, it's like, it's not really like the time of year and, and given how things are going, it's not like, you're in a situation where it's like, oh yeah, like we need a, we need a, you know, change of pace. Like we, things aren't working, you know, got guys underperforming. I mean, uh, to just, you know, give Stanley Johnson minutes cause you want to, you just traded for him. I, I don't know. That seems kind of unfair given how all these other guys are playing. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how they're going to work it. I guess maybe they just try to blow teams out so badly that uh, they can play whoever they want. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture like, I'm trying to picture a, pl- a scenario in the playoffs where, you know, you even like want to play him, I guess, or, or, you know, if, if you do it, I think it's a risk because you've got other guys playing well. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's definitely not taking any of Middleton's minutes. He's not taking any of Brogdon's minutes. And then I think once you get to, uh, I don't think he's taking any Sterling's minutes because he's just hitting every, I'm not every three he takes, but if you get him a corner three, he's he's at like a fifty percent chance he's going to knock it down. Um, so I th- think maybe not Sterling, but you know maybe it's a night where small ball four is does that small okay. little maybe a little bit of small ball four. Uh, I think also there's just maybe nights where if you need a, a, a I think the Sixers is kind of the spot where it comes to mind to me where it's just like. Tony's not going to cut it against Tobias Harris or something like that. And again, like Tobias Harris isn't huge, but he is bigger and Tony is more of a position defender than a physical defender. And it's like, okay, you know, maybe you need an extra body there, but yeah, I think largely how it works is they're going to work them in nice and slow. And there, I mean, I think you hope that if you're the Bucks, you hope that the trade gets done relatively soon because you have a, three games in four days stretch coming up here, uh, Friday, Saturday, Monday, and you have some bad teams in there. Uh, Dallas on Friday is obviously playing well and uh, doing some things, but, you know, Orlando on Saturday and Chicago on Monday, like, you know, that could be kind of a spot where either you get those blowout minutes or uh, that's, I don't even know, Sterling needs a night off because he doesn't want to because they don't want to play him on a back-to-back or Malcolm or Chris or, or whoever it may be like the same way that they gave Bledsoe the night off the other night for an Achilles like you know maybe they find a regular rotation guy that needs a night off and uh, that helps out but I, I don't I don't foresee it being a situation where it's like we traded for Stanley Johnson he has to play like that seems incredibly unlikely but I do think that it's it's going to be how Bud has managed this roster throughout the season that, you know, guys are going to flow in and out and there's going to be some random off days. And I think you hope after a month or so, 
Stanley Johnson catches up. And if he does catch up in that time and take someone's spot, then he takes it. And if not, he kind of keeps in that same role and uh, you have some added depth. Uh, it's kind of the, the gift and the curse of being such a good basketball team. I don't know how many minutes we are into this podcast, but uh, we just saw the Bucks score 148 points. Uh, they um, <laughs> scored 50 points in a quarter. Giannis scored 43 points, and we haven't even touched that. Can you imagine if? Uh, can you imagine if, like, even a few months ago, you told us that there'd be like a minor trade, and we would completely ignore, for the most part, a game where all those things happened? Um, yeah, I mean, we're just we've just become very, very spoiled, Eric. My my, how quickly we become very, very spoiled because you know decades of uh, decades of not being spoiled, and now uh, now we're just now we're just you know. We've lost our hunger. I don't know. We're 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 just get, we're just satisfied with ourselves. I think the biggest thing here is that of all the people being disappointed in us, I think it's going to start at the top because that number thirty four guy on the Bucks tonight scored forty three points. He was seventeen of twenty one from the field. He had six rebounds, four assists, and three steals. And oh, by the way, he is the fucking MVP. <laughs> or at least that's what he claims he didn't say after dunking on the entire Wizards roster in the fourth quarter as he got it very mad that they were trying to pick a fight with him the entire night despite not being anywhere near the echelon player that he is. Um he he did not he he's he did not say that he said we can look at the tape and that he did not say that but I mean I'm not here to put words in someone's mouth but I am here to attempt to read the words that came out of it and gotta say uh, I I think the I is very clear I think the am is very clear I think the fucking is very clear and I think I thought the M was very clear. The V and the P were a little bit, it seemed like they were a little jumbled and mashed. Um, but I think I can forgive it and say that he said, I'm the effing MVP and made sure everyone knew that and did so on a national TV night. Uh, what did you call those before? Narrative points? Is that is that a narrative point? Uh, letting everyone know uh, on national TV that that's how you feel about all of it and you just put up 43 points on 21 shots? It, it's funny. Um, you know, the, the, whenever the Bucks, whenever good things have happened for the Bucks, it seems like, uh, you know, something else happens that, that steals the thunder. And it's figuring, it, it figures that even on this podcast, um, we let Thon Maker steal the thunder of the Bucks, you know, just just <laughs> dominating uh, the way they did tonight, and Giannis doing kind of everything he does. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, ideally you'd you'd have some of these games, some more of these games, and you do some against actually teams that uh, that are not you know flaming piles of trash like the Wizards are. I guess that's maybe a little unfair. I mean, the Wizards are you know they're not like you know ten and. 40 or something like that but um they're obviously a team that is in weird a weird place uh they had a uh, uh they've been dumping salary like crazy i mean the bucks have done two deals with them this year as they try to get under the luxury tax and tonight they actually did so they're gonna they're gonna raise the banner in the verizon center or whatever the name is of their arena and say you know 
cut 25 million in tax in, in salary in order to get under the luxury tax. That'll be Ernie Grunfeld's um, big banner accomplishment for, uh, I don't know, for the last decade or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're a team that is obviously uh, they, they traded Otto Porter and Marquise Morris today. Um, in addition to John Wall tearing his Achilles, like, I don't know, getting out of the bathtub or doing something at home, which just is, I mean, well, injury to insult, insult to injury, not sure, injury to injury, um, something like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the the Wizards are not in a good place. We saw that with Giannis running roughshod over them in, in Washington over the weekend and um, tonight. Uh, let's just say the, the Wizards did not learn anything from that game because Giannis, uh, I mean, 17 out of 21, I mean, that's crazy. Ridiculous. Three out of three from threes. Um, that was probably the most fun thing. Um, my... Uh, Probably the, I was still somewhat agitated in the fourth quarter when he just started missing all those free throws. That was kind of a bummer. He should have had his career high. I think he hit only three of his last eight free throws or something like that. Um, so that was the only real down. And the Bucks, the Bucks joined him in that effort as well, just missing free throws constantly and shots to not score one fifty on the night. That was. They, they seemed determined not to score 150 uh, in that final. Yeah, the first three quarters, 50, 35, and 35. They had 120 points after three quarters. Um, I'd be curious I'd be curious <laughs> how many times they scored 120 in a full game last year, uh, and now uh, we've seen them. Did you see the stat at the half that we had tweeted at us? No. So tonight's 85 85- Point first half, and this is from listener at Lebut L E B U U U U U T Josh Semro. Tonight's eighty-five point first half would have beaten four quarters of the Kid Prunty Bucks eighteen times and tied them another five times. So twenty-three times last year, the Bucks scored eighty-five points or less, and the Bucks did that in the first half tonight. Pretty good, pretty good, you guys. Um, no, it's not bad. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know when they just get rolling. Uh, they get rolling, and um, you know the three ball was falling. They were nineteen of thirty from three. Um, they were almost as good from three as as uh, as as the free throw line, which is a bit weird. Uh, they shot sixty percent from the field, sixty three percent from three, and sixty five percent from the line. So that was a nice little. <laughs> even line um and a lot of possessions in this game so 133 offensive rating so um uh, yeah great offensive rating um but not as not as maybe sky high as you might think for 100 almost 150 point scoring night and to end to end bud's post-game press conference uh we all know that bud is obsessed with defense um bad night for that yeah, I asked him, I was, I was like, you know, how do you try to keep your, you know, mental sanity in, in a game like this where you guys are winning by a lot, but the defense just, just isn't there. And, and Bud like looks at me, he's like, next question. And everyone like looked around and like, no one had any questions. And he's like, all right, see you later. And left right after that. But it was a perfect ending because they just scored so much and no one played any defense. And I mean, if you're if you're not going to play any defense against the Bucks, you're going to lose. They're just too talented offensively. Yeah, there was a lot of, I mean, we talked about it on Saturday. I mean, there's a, or Sunday about the Saturday game. I mean, there's just, the Wizards did not tend, the Wizards didn't, don't have a lot of big bodies and they did not choose to really even try to put a lot of big bodies. It felt like there were a lot of, 
small forwards trying to guard Giannis tonight and um, it didn't, did not work out. And um, it was funny. I was, um, I missed half of the first quarter um, coming back from work. And then I was rewatching some of the highlights and um, it was like the Giannis, the Giannis uh, highlight reel. And I see Brogdon and Giannis Brogdon's dri- dribbling down court on a fast break with Giannis. And I'm like, is Brogdon actually going to pass like to Giannis? <laughs> and then, of course, Brogdon does not pass it and blows a layup, and then Giannis gets the rebound and dunks it. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes more sense. That's that is how that is how a, a Giannis highlight would come from a Brogdon Giannis fast break. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, Brogdon three out of four from three, Bledsoe four out of five, Middleton three out of five, Giannis three out of three, uh, even Ursan Ilyasova two out of two from three, Ursan. Mean reverting a little bit, four out of four in 18 minutes, um, which is especially important because clearly the Bucks chose Urson. Well, and again, I understand Urson would be harder to move anyway, but um, <laughs> let's just say Mike Budenholzer, um probably the only thing I, I could really find to complain about in the last you know weeks was uh, his determination to continue playing Urson over Thon or pretty much anyone else. Um, but Maybe his uh, his patience slowly being repaid. We'll see if Ursan can do this against you know not the Washington Wizards, but um, but yeah, it was uh, it was fun to watch Giannis hitting threes. Giannis just kind of tearing through uh, the Wizards defense whenever he wanted, and yeah, it felt like the Wizards just didn't miss a lot of shots either. Fifty two percent from the field, forty six percent from three. Uh, I mean, this e- if the I mean if this is like a, a bad Bucks offensive night, I mean this easily is one of those games where you know you could be saying wow like. Another another example where the other team just happens to get hot and you can't stop them. But um, yeah, I would say there's probably a, you know when you're scoring as easily as the Bucks were, there's probably a bit of complacency that that set in as you know in the process. And I mean it was interesting. I mean the the lead got down to nine at times in the fourth seven. quarter, even seven. Yeah. So I mean it wasn't wasn't as uh, as comfortable as as you would have liked for a twenty point halftime lead where the other team just cannot stop you. Um, but whatever. Ultimately, we're we're kind of nitpicking there. It was kind of funny. Matt and I hang out with each other and watch so much basketball together that ne- neither of us talked about this. But within ten seconds of each other, managed to tweet out that the Bucks were just playing with their food entirely too much, and everyone kind of made fun of us. Hashtag NBA eats. Yep. <laughs> yes, hashtag NBA road eats. Uh, but. That that was just what they were doing. Like they were just kind of screwing around, and you know, I thought I thought the the interesting thing was, and, and you know, I think this is often the case with with the Bucks when they've lost their way defensively, and it, it should come as no surprise to anyone. But when the Bucks lose their way defensively, it's probably because Eric Bledsoe isn't turning the screws on someone. Like that that, and again, that doesn't mean he's responsible. That that means like you know the whole team is doing it, but he is the tone setter for the defense. And when he decides that he's going to wrap up the game, he, he wraps up the game. And that I I thought that was exactly what he did in the fourth quarter. There was, you know, like a four or five minute stretch where he just totally turned it up on Beal and just said, Nope, sorry, buddy. Like not happening. You're not doing this anymore. You're not going to get loose anymore against us. I'm going to shut you down right now. And I think he got a steal and then he managed to hit one off of Beal um, as he was trying to get the steal. Uh, so I think he forces two turnovers. He gets to the rack. 
He has a dump off to Giannis. He has two threes. Uh, and then he kind of caps all of it with that tip dunk out of nowhere where Giannis at the line. And I got to say, I think it's probably fortunate that he missed this free throw just for the theatrics of this dunk. Um, so sorry, Frank, you're going to have to deal with six of 11 instead of seven for 11. But Giannis misses the, his free throw. It kind of hangs out on the rim just a little bit and it gives Bledsoe time to run in all the way from the three-point line and throw it down. And after the game, he said that he tries to do that a lot, but most of the time teams box him out. And yeah. he, sa- he said Bradley Beal was complaining to an official and because he was complaining about a call that he didn't think he got, well, it, it was it was time for Bledsoe to just to be able to run right through. That's exactly what he did, and it hung up just long enough for him to get there and put it down with two hands. And you know, it felt like to me, it felt like the perfect capper for all of that because it was, you know, just this exclamation point for Bledsoe, and he was the one that had kind of just said like, "All right, guys." I'm going to put this away. And I know our good friend Dean Mania tweeted this out, but he said something to the extent of like, you know, if Giannis and Bledsoe are rolling at the same time, do you just, just wrap it up? Like <laughs> it's just not going to happen for you that night. And you know, when, when Bledsoe goes four or five from three and he has two of them, I think on pull-ups in the fourth quarter while he's also playing great defense, it's, it's over. Like you just don't you don't you don't you don't have a chance. It's just not going to work out for you. The Bucks are going to win that game, and you know I thought that's what it was. And um, obviously Giannis fed off that as well. And just uh, I'm trying to think how many he had in the fourth quarter, but it just felt like he was piling them on uh, as the Bucks closed that one out. And that that was that. I, th- I think he might have had. I think he might have had 33 going into the fourth quarter, 33 or 35, so about 10 points in the fourth. 10 in the so fourth, yeah. Something like that. And um, I think he had, um, what, 19 in the first half, so overall 24 in the second half. And, um, you know, uh, the, my only complaint about Eric Bledsoe, I mean, obviously he played really well, uh, 11 assists tonight as well, um, was uh, in that fourth quarter there was that one play where Giannis was on the right wing and he was just like, crouched and ready to get a catch and shoot three to go for his his career high and Bledsoe just was like dribbling like 12 feet away from him and then just decided to shoot himself and I think there was one other yeah. where he he took for he took a shot himself and I mean Bledsoe had it going too so he probably was like hey man I want to get mine as well um which to be honest I haven't really felt like I've this year's Bledsoe I don't feel like he's really done that much um Last year, obviously, there was a lot of like, you know, like when he, he would take like every game, there'd be like one or two shots where, you know, you'd just be like, oh, God, why are you shooting that shot? And tonight, um, it felt like almost like noticing it. I was like, man, that I haven't really noticed that as much this year. I think it's largely disappeared. But the last month, he's had some like bad step back threes in fourth quarters. Like there's one in Toronto that sticks out to me where it was just like, I think 18 seconds on the clock. And it was just like, I know it's let it fly and all of that, but that's probably not the best look right now. Uh, And I think it was when Giannis was out. Um, So yes, I would, I would largely agree. Like last year it was every game. There was one or two that was just like, but so come on, man, like that's, that's a bad look. And this year that has been, you know, shaved down a, a whole lot. Yeah, so I don't know. Anything anything else from 
yet, yet another nope. dominant Bucks win. I guess back at it on Friday against the Dallas Mavericks, who um, are looking fairly different from uh, the last time the Bucks saw them. With Harrison Barnes also getting shipped out tonight, no S. Matthews, no DeAndre Jordan. Um, yeah, uh, I guess they'll be easier to to they'll be better for not having Harrison Barnes compared to the last game when Barnes was terrible. But um, pretty much Luca in a cloud of dust right now, I guess for uh, for the Mavericks. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, I think that's going to be it for us for tonight. Uh, we will try to – am I going to have you or am I going to have someone else tomorrow night, Frank? I don't know if you're traveling or not. Uh, you're gonna, I think you're going to have someone else. I'm going to be in transit tomorrow on Thursday. Okay, so, so... – uh, But actually, well, let, let me say this. If if some crazy trade <laughs> stuff happens, then we'll have to figure it out. Um, yeah. So uh, we, we were already wrong – it's predicting like 25 ish percent chance of the bucks making a trade. Yep. We are, it's now already a hundred percent. So um, I, by the way, the one thing I, we didn't really cover um, seeing that move to trading, like basically your only real center who's playable other than Brooke Lopez. It doesn't, it just feel like there's, there kind of has to be something else. And I don't know if that's going to be a trade. I don't know if that is a buyout market move, um, but it feels like as much as, you know, on the one hand, like, look, the Bucks going smaller means they're probably playing better players. So um, it's not the end of the world if you're only playing one center. I mean, they've been doing that now for a while and working out pretty well, even with Ursan Elisova <laughs> not being any good for the most part. Um, so on the one hand, I don't want to like be like, oh, if if a, only Brooks the only center in your rotation, then you may have to play Giannis more at center. It's like, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, but... Still, I mean, if you know you're in the playoffs against Philly and Brooke turns his ankle or something, um, I mean, I, I count me not among those who wants Jason Smith to have to play minutes. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm still curious if uh, if maybe there is some kind of move there. I also, I mean, adding Stanley Johnson also gives you. I mean, I think Tony Snell's a better player, but um, you know, we we've talked about might the fact that Tony Snell's been playing well mean that he is movable on that contract and given the bucks kind of tax and cap uh issues could they potentially want to um you know get off that contract as in spite of what tony's brought to the team in spite of what kind of tony brings to uh you know locker room and, and all that stuff so um so yeah i think i think the johnson move maybe gives them cover to to you know make some sort of potential salary dump move with tony but i don't know the, the the romantic in me wants Tony to stay, um, despite being a cold hard, uh, cold hearted cap guy um, as well. But um, we'll see. I I I don't know. I just have this feeling. That I, let me let me say this. I would be surprised if this is the roster that goes into the playoffs. Okay, so maybe it doesn't happen tomorrow, but it just seems like something something probably happens uh, at some point um, before before then. Thoughts in my head right now. I think when you look at, and we didn't talk about this, the contract that Stanley Johnson has, restricted free agent versus Thon being guaranteed for $3.5 million next year, I think that says something about valuing flexibility. Yep. Thinking about your cap and trying to figure out exactly how all that's going to go down. So... Um, oh, I should, I, should say, I, I should say, this is the... I mean, I should have said this already, given... given the, the few things that I bring to, to these discussions, but um, basically kind of as is, you know, if you, if you basically let Eric Bledsoe walk and you keep your other cap holds, um, you'd now have 
potentially something on the order of like 24, 25 million in cap space to replace him. Um, now, in that scenario, you then probably might also need to use part of that to to pay Brook Lopez because you wouldn't have the full mid level if you used cap space. Um, but you know, gives people, gives you guys at least some some sense for um, for the dollars that that would be available. And uh, obviously, if you you know made another move now or in the summer with with Tony or preferably Urson, um, then you obviously you could you could <laughs> kind of bite into uh, into that even further in terms of increasing room. But yeah, so. That's one of the thoughts in my head is that, you know, that is something that I think John Horst is, I don't know if prioritizing is the right word, but thinking about it. He's he's thinking about that and trying to figure out exactly, you know, how they can make that 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 space look better. Uh, they can think about trying to bring everyone back, all that stuff. So that's one thing that's in my head. And because of that, Tony Snell's in my head. That you know there there's potentially a trade there, and I know a bunch of people have asked. You know, I said something about that initially when I saw the trade for Stanley Johnson, and they said, you know, if you're going to trade away Tony Snell, you're trading away a good shooter. You've also already brought in uh, Stanley Johnson, who's not a good shooter. Like this team has been kind of built on shooting. What are you doing? And I, I think I want to make it clear that if you trade Tony Snell, you don't necessarily have to trade him for a non-shooter or a different position. You could trade him for someone that plays the exact same position, someone that can also shoot, just someone that you're not going to pay for years and years to come, but instead just the rest of this year. So that's one thing I'm thinking about. And then finally, you know, I'm I'm very curious about what they do with the bigs and how they try to make all of this work. And I, I don't I don't necessarily know that I feel that you need. Uh, a true a true center also on the roster um but i do think it is something that uh, from a roster composition standpoint you gotta at least be thinking about and wondering about um so those are kind of the three things in my mind going into the final day before the deadline and as you said some of those things might be able to be fixed in the buyout market or taken care of in the buyout market or happen in the buyout market but um also it may be a situation where you know you really want to get it done before the deadline so those are all the things that i'm thinking about i think that's it frank do you have a, like a prediction or anything or are you good and you would just want to get out of here I just want to get out of here all right that's going to bring be on it. bring on the trade deadline that's going to be it for us for tonight for Frank Mann, who may or may not be here tomorrow, depending on if something crazy happens, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.